From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. We are a podcast that focuses on healthy church and culture and missions, and we're going to do that all again. And uh, we're going to visit one of our favorite passages today. First of all, I need to introduce some other Worthless Servants that are with me. From Barbados, Reverend Dario Richards. Hello. <laughs> those who You're listen, me up. those who me listen to the previous episode, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what's happening. To my left, Reverend as well, Emily Armstrong. Hello. <laughs> it was close. And now we'll. I'm wondering. I'm glad if, he went high though, and not like super yes, low. That was helpful. True. Thanks. Thanks. I, I'm wondering if peer pressure is going to affect our our next our next person that I'm going to introduce. To my right, Natalie Franco. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> we are we are having fun today. And I do want to let you know, this is the second to last episode of The Worthless Servants, at least this iteration of whatever we have looked like for 164 now episodes, right? Uh, but we're going to give a big announcement next next time, and, uh, and, and we're going to have an episode dedicated to just kind of uh, wrapping up. And uh, so I wanted you to be aware of that. Don't get shocked. Um, but we, yeah, we're 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 not limping to the to the finish line. We are we are uh, celebrating and excited, and this is uh, this is this is cool. So let's uh, let's do so uh, with one of my favorite things, which is diving into a passage of the Bible and seeing what are the implications for us as ministers of the gospel and specifically as as missionaries or cross cultural uh, workers. So today it's going to be Ezekiel thirty seven again, a well known passage, but one of my favorites, and uh, and. Dar- Mario, would you be willing to read from 1 to 14? Again, listener, this is going to take a little while. You're, we're going to read through that, uh, but kind of focus and listen and maybe uh, try to think what jumps out at you as Dario is reading that. So, Dario? Yes. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out with the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He had me pass among them all around, and behold, There were many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Lord God, you yourself know. Again he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, You dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. Behold, I am going to make breath into you, so that you may come to life, and I will attach tendons to you. May flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, so that you may come to life. And you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and I prophesied there was a loud noise, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, tendons were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath. The Lord God says this, come from the four winds, breath and breathe on these slain, so that they come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath entered them, and they came to life, and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the entire house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, 
This is what the Lord God says. Behold, I am going to open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, my people. And it will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, I cause you to come up out of your graves, my people. And I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. Excellent. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, Emily, give us a little context. Where where is Israel in this in this time? And if I'm not mistaken, I think you've been recently in your devotions in in some of uh, these chapters. Correct? I have. I have been in Ezekiel recently, so it's very fresh in my mind. I think the biggest thing for us to know in the context of this uh, passage is that Israel has a long history with God at this point in time. Um, We've seen them come all the way up from Abraham, and they've been the people of God. They've been in slavery. He's released them. They possess the the promised land. They were living in the space that God had given them and throughout all of the kings that start to reign over them. You see this constant back and forth of a king that follows God, a king that doesn't, a king that follows God, a king that doesn't. And so as you start to see that type of rhythm happen, uh, you get to a space where God's like, okay, well, we're, we're kind of done with this. And um, all of the things that he had been saying through Jeremiah as a prophecy is going to be, you are going to be exiled from this promised land. So that was Jeremiah. That was another very major prophet. Um, and so the people literally are exiled to multiple multiple different places, but Babylon is one of the biggest places that many of the exiles live. And Ezekiel is a prophet that is literally prophesying to the people that are already exiled. They're already out of their land. They're already in a space that um, they hopefully are going to start turning to God and seeking God and saying, okay, we've, we recognize we're wrong and, and kind of what are the next steps in our journey as your people. And so all through the book of Ezekiel, you can see God um, telling them why they are spending their time in exile, but he also starts to weave in the promise of, I'm going to call you back to the promised land. I'm going to gather you from the nations again. Um, so that's Ezekiel's biggest role as a prophet, as God's prophet, is to help the people that are already exiled to begin to hear the word of the Lord again and say, okay, well, there was a step in your journey and now we're, we're ready to start taking the next step again. So that's kind of where Ezekiel plays his biggest role in God's, God's story as a prophet. Thank you for that summary. And, and we very quickly get into a, a valley of desperation, of death. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it looks like there has been an army or there has been a holocaust of some sort to see all of these bones very dry. They've been there for a while and it's... Uh, it's just emblematic of Israel. Man, there is just dryness. There is just death and hopelessness. But before that, the first thing that we see in verse one is not the valley of the dry bones. It's actually that the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. Not to leave, How does that speak to you? Yeah, in verse one, it says, um, the hand of Jehovah came upon me and led me in the spirit of Jehovah. So um, it makes me think about like all of these happened because the prophet Ezekiel um, was in the spirit. Um, and, and I think like for us to see, as he was able to see the valley of the dry bones, we have also to be in the spirit. Um, and so only by being in the spirit, we, we can see like the condition of someone that it's sinful. And so we can speak life to them. And, and, and I know, and it's a reality that 
a person that doesn't have Christ in, in his heart, doesn't pursue Jesus Christ, a person who is a sinner is a person who is deaf. And nowadays, nobody wants to be called death, but that's the reality. As someone who doesn't have Christ, someone who is a sinner, it's a person that is death. And I think um, we shouldn't abandon in any way the fulfillment of our commission, um, even though they have like this apathy or they have this lack in spiritual perception, we have to continue preaching the word of God, even though it seems like people that are really hopeless, even though they, they look like they are in the same situation in a valley of bones or like in, even in the graves, even though they look like they are in the graves, God can turn graves into garden. We have to continue preaching the word of God. We have to say as Ephesians 5.14 says, wake you who sleep. Um, and arise from the death in Christ will give you light. We have to keep preaching them. Yeah, I think that's interesting what you're saying, because even as you say that, Natalie, I think, yeah, these bones were not lying there saying, say something to us, <laughs> right? They, they weren't asking for the prophecy. They weren't asking to even be changed. And so God sees that situation in a very different way than what the bones themselves were quote unquote, would be able to see themselves, you know? So I think that's a, it's a good um, parallel that you make that there's people that don't even know they need God's word in their life. And uh, it's the spirit that gives us those eyes to be able to see that. Well, I think that's important too, you know, even in verse three, I, how many of us have identified with Ezekiel at some point, you know, the spirit says, okay, prophesy or, you know, well, even before that, he says, can these bones live? Mm -hmm. And have you ever, I mean, I think, maybe now is the time to share. Have you ever witnessed dryness and death in like your personal life or in the ministry? And have you ever had moments where you, the faith is there, like, you know, God is God, he can do this. But at the same time, when he says, uh, do you believe this can change? Do you believe this cannot be dry? This can, these bones can live. I love Ezekiel. Cause I've been there, you know, where I'm like, Lord, only, you know, like, I'm not going to say no, because you're God. I mean, you can do this, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to say, yeah, totally. Because like there are bones right here. I mean, this is just dead, dry bones. Does any, would anyone like to share just kind of a moment where you're, where you're saying, man, it was so dry. And I wondered truly God, can you make a difference? Yeah, I think there's a, a both and of what Ezekiel probably was um, confronting. And like, we don't really know the tone of what he was saying. And so I think, you know, by this time, it's chapter 37. There's been a lot of things that he's seen God do. <laughs> God has asked him to do a lot of stuff over many, many years. Like he has a history with God up to this point. By it's not the, way, the first time, right? By the way, crazy stuff. Crazy so. <laughs> stuff. If you want to read some crazy prophetic stuff, you read Ezekiel and you will get into it. And so I kind of think that um, Ezekiel is a really good reference point for a mature Christian that has seen God do a lot, that knows that God can do a lot, that has the faith that God can do a lot, and still see something to be a very overwhelming circumstance and be like, I know you can do it and I have faith you can do it. And will you do it? <laughs> like, like, because there are times that, you know, maybe God has said, I'm going to do this. And we're like, okay, you're going to do this. And then God worked in a different way. And so like, we start to be like, you know, I believe help my unbelief is the way it's, it's in the gospels. And so I think Ezekiel 
in this instance, I'm thinking through, you know, you asked for a, a very specific, you know, event. And I'm thinking about literally during the time of the pandemic, I really started to pray for um, multiple people um, and to not go too deep into very personal stories. But um, there were a lot of people that I knew that were dealing with high anxiety mm. and it was turning into depression. And like in the middle of the pandemic, when you can't see that changeover, like I remember where we were at in 2020, where it just felt like this is going on and on and on and it's never going to change. I remember being like that, right? Like mm. God was, God literally asked me like, do you think I can heal these people? Like even in the middle, if this pandemic never resolves, do you think that I can heal these people? And I had to get to a point of saying, only, you know, <laughs> you know, only, you know, I'm going to continue to pray that you do because I need them to be healed. I need them to be released from these chains and only, you know, so, so that to me is what comes to my mind when you ask. Hmm. Well, and Dario, the Lord can do the work, but he wants Ezekiel to play that part, right? I mean, he speaks breath and life over death and dryness, but he says, uh, you know, I want you to prophesy. I mean, the Lord can do it, but he wants his prophet to say, even in your kind of mixture of belief and unbelief, like still prophesy, still say this can be different. Does anything come to mind in your own ministry? I know your, your ministry has been full. It's been one characterized by faith in the midst of, uh, of seemingly insurmountable obstacles. Yeah. You know, whenever, whenever I read Ezekiel, uh, both, I think Emily would have alluded to it as well. Like when you think about these these dead bones, you know, and men from Emily was contextual in the story. Um, Israel had this this unique this unique ability to always think that they were something that they were not. Hmm. You know, it's like in God's perspective, you're dead, you know, and they're convinced that because they're God's people, they're alive. But really and truly, like from heaven's perspective. This is your state. This is your condition. And and the reason why I bring that is because I'm thinking, like, God asking Ezekiel this question, where Ezekiel knows that the reason why they are viewed as dead is because of their own sin and shortcoming. Like, this is the judgment of God. So, like, the same God that has led to this judgment is not asking Ezekiel, you think I can do something about this, you know? Um, and I can, well... Only you know, you know, <laughs> you know. I, I just see how how that can unfold it is it kills me. But surely, man, like like throughout our throughout uh, our ministry, I can think of countless times, you know, countless situations. I I walked in, we saw the state and the condition of what we needed to do, and my first question was like, really, Lord, like. Like, like, I am going to be surprised if something is able to happen here. Yes. And, and for me, it seems like like the times when that question has been the loudest has been the times when when God has, you know, when God has done like, the most tremendous work. Like, when I think back of some of the places that we have seen some of the most fruit, when I think back of, um, we should, I should have bought this on a podcast before when we went to Nicaragua. And Milton just dropped us at this house in the middle of a community. I was like, all right, guys, you're going to plant a church right here. And I, I was like, we're Milton, right? In the house that you're staying in. And, and Milton gets in his car and drives to another country. <laughs> and we're there like, what? <laughs> and, <you know? laughs> and, and for me, like, 
like some of those questions in a country we don't speak the language when we look around and observe what's happening around us, like the first experience that I had was seeing a drunken man living in sleep, like, like, you know, in the ditch. I'm like, okay, you know, this is going to be a hard week. But then we see and experience some of, of we see God's grace unfold in amazing ways. And it seems that God has this unique ability to take, to make the best out of the worst of conditions or what we perceive to be the worst of conditions. So, so definitely having to trust God to, 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 to cause some dreams to live again over the years. Yeah, absolutely. This, this is so crucial. And, uh, I'm, I was laughing as you were saying, telling that story, of course, but it's true. Like in the moment, in the moments where we are at our wits end, where we don't know what we're, we're supposed to do, it's when the Holy Spirit, and I think this is, this is crucial, we can now start to really talk uh, and, and, and get even deeper into this text. It is the Spirit that brings life. Mm. It is the Spirit that brings life. And, and, and I think that movement, it's very crucial in verse 7 and 8. I don't know about, about a lot of churches, a lot of us maybe, would be really content. Like, oh, the bones have moved. Oh, there's tendons. Oh, this is amazing. Like, like almost like in a church that's been dead for a while. Well, at least we're doing stuff. This is amazing, you know. But they weren't an army until later when we prophesied to the, I'm saying we, when Ezekiel does, but when we prophesy to the breath, to the, in Hebrew, the ruach, right? The, 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 the spirit needs to come and fill. And then it says they were a mighty army. Yeah. And something important here, um, it's, and, it, and in verse four, it was saying, drying bones, hear the word of Jehovah. I think only the word of God can can give life, and, and this is something important. Uh, sometimes we preach, um, you know, f- philosophies and good wishes, and even like testimony. But I think we have to be sure about like we are talking about the word of God. Only the word of God is the the one that has the power to do this. So drying bones can. Hear how how in the world a bone can have ears to to hear, but the word of God has the power um, to make this happen. So I think even even our testimony, if it is not accompanied with the word of God, like it will not be, it will not have the impact hmm. to do these things. Yeah, I think as we start to think about um, the breath and and prophesying to the breath, that it. To me, I see this in like two stages, right? Like the miracle itself happens in two stages of of there's this coming together of the body and then there is, okay, well, prophesy again and it's a prophecy to the breath and then bec- they become these people, these living beings and, and God can do something with them. And I think the very end of the passage is very, um, it reveals to us exactly what God is doing. It says in verse 13, And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves of my people. Like God could literally bring all these people back from all of these countries and spaces where they're exiled. And God's saying, I'm going to do that. I'm going to gather you. Like we're going to be back in this space again. It's already been promised. I am going to do this. But it's like he's just bringing back a bunch of dead bodies, right? But then he goes into 14 and he says, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you on your own soil. And I think if we 
really start to study the Bible and what it says, that that work of God starting to say, my spirit lives within you. Sometimes we only put that into a New Testament uh, category, right? Mm-hmm. But um, he literally starts talking about creating a heart of flesh and, and my word will be written on you in Jeremiah before they're even exiled. And then in Ezekiel, he's talking about spirit again and the importance that it has as to be people of God. We can be people of God, but again, Natalie, like you were saying, if we're not filled with the spirit, we're probably not going to be doing a whole lot like on this side of eternity, right? Like the abundant life that God has given us, that is our promise is because we're filled with that spirit. And so I think God's even using this miracle of being, of helping Ezekiel to see that I'm gathering them, but then there's a second, what we would say in the Nazarene church, a second work of grace. Like, like I'm going to fill them with my spirit. And that is when they truly become my people and I will be their God. And as the church today, we're living in that. We are living in a space where the spirit has been given to us. We can be filled with the spirit of God and being able to live in the power of what that is, is what brings us life. We're not just a bunch of dead people walking around. We are the living life, the breathing body of God that we call the church. And that is what pushes us into mission. And that's what Ezekiel's prophecy ends up saying, right? Like God's like, so here's the moral of the story. (laughs) I'm not bringing you back to be dead. I'm bringing you back to be alive. So in an army. And so get going, (laughs) get, 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 get to going. And I think as a church, we need to receive that and and let that be a part of our, our lives. Yeah. um, I I actually wanted to say probably exactly the same thing that Emily would have shared. Just your role of your trace throughout the scripture from Genesis to Revelation, how the, 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 the thing that makes the difference is the spirit of God. Yes. You know, you watch God make a man in the garden and, after all the beautiful design of shaping and crafting, it wasn't until the breath of his spirit comes that, you know, man really comes alive. And you, you trace God throughout the scriptures all the way um, to Jesus and salvation, like the differentiating factor, the evidence, or as Ephesians would say, you know, like the guarantee that we are truly saved is the spirit of God um, inside of us. You know, I just I just reflecting on that being that being the difference, that being the, the you know you know the the difference between being having life and being alive. You know, like it's the spirit of God that does that in us, and I think that's where um, the emphasis is placed, uh, should be placed as we think about as we think about the the dry bones, whether in our life the dry bones in in spaces that God has been sending us to. Always remember it, that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the spirit of God. It's the mm. spirit that brings and breathes life. And and if we don't prioritize that, if we rely on our, you know, like what I love about Ezekiel, he, he doesn't rely on his brilliance. He doesn't rely on his experience. He relies solely on that God, only you know. And yes. what you see to do is what I will do. And I think that's the posture that we must take. You know, to depend totally and completely on the word of the spirit to bring change and transformation 
it overloads and it loads up others. Yeah. All of this reminds me of the opening of the work of the Church of the Nazarene in Turks and Caicos with Natalie Sweeting. And uh, she is now an ordained minister, and she's um, in Bahamas now. But uh, she opened the work, and I won't tell the whole story, but but the one that really reminds me of Ezekiel 37 is just uh, that she was there, and she was feeling that God was calling her to to start a, a, start a church. Uh, but she didn't have any finances or any means to do that um, she had not studied uh, a lot at that at that moment to be able to know how to do that uh, but she just felt a burden and felt like she needed to do that and so she sensed in in, in a quiet time with the Lord that God was calling her to uh, just give a sermon to the field. And she said, what, Lord? I mean, like to go walk out in the middle of this field and just preach to the field? Like that doesn't even make sense. And she even says, I debated with God and I, I said, no, I'm not going to do this. People will think I am crazy out there in the middle of the field preaching. And, uh, and he, consi- he continued to insist and insist. And so finally she said, fine, I'm going to do this. She prepared a sermon. She went out into the middle of a field. There was some, there's like a forest around around, you know, the, the field. And she just started to preach and preach. And as she's preaching, you know, for 10 minutes, for 15 minutes, nothing is happening, but she's just, the, the spirit of the Lord is on me and I'm doing this and I'm preaching and there's nobody. I mean, you know, people walking around, walk, walking on the street, you know, uh, uh, close to there and looking at her and what is happening, what's going on. And, um, and gradually as she came to the end of her sermon, this family walked out of the forest and there were some Haitian immigrants and they just walked out of the, the, the trees and they came and they just sat right next to her as she was finishing the sermon. And she ended up, this is a summarized uh, version, but she ended up starting with that family. She had not realized, but there were families, immigrant families that were living in the forest around there. And as they started to hear, not even in their own original language, but they just were needing, hungry, longing for, for the word of God. And they ended up forming the start, being the start, uh, the first members and first uh, new Christians of that congregation. Still to this day, that congregation is majority Haitian, and uh, and and God is is moving in that place. And so, again, what are the dry places? Maybe listener, you are you're hearing this. You're in your car. You're exercising. You're doing something else. What what are the dry places in your life? What are the places where you say that's a valley of bones mm. and they are dry and uh and there's there's desperation and death and dis- and 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 depression and uh, anxiety you mentioned Emily um what are those places could it be that God is saying well listener well where you are can these bones live can they live can you live can that situation be transformed we're here to say and scripture backs us up Yes, these bones can live. Through the spirit and the breath of God, they can become a mighty army. Let's believe that. Let's truly believe and act on that. Let's prophesy to those places that are dead and dry and desperate. And let's prophesy, hear, O bones, the word of the Lord. Emily, if there are people that would like to to get a hold of us, that would like to remark on this time uh, uh, and on this passage and maybe some other, uh, share some stories of their own, where can they do that? You can find us on our Facebook page, The Worthless Servants Podcast. You can also find us online at mesoamericagenesis.org. 
Excellent. We'd love to hear from you. And remember, our next episode is going to be our last uh, for quite quite a while. And so um, we invite you. This is going to be a celebration and we're excited for it. But for now, we are the Worthless Servants and I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm Natalie Franco. I'm Emily Armstrong. And I'm Dario Richards. And we'll talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at mesoamericagenesis.org.